the whistle. Second half, my three subs action from the Center Circle Studios. Normally, Tim and I will have a uh, a special guest come in. We, we always do run, run this segment where we're talking about people in the industry and stuff like that. Well, you can't get any closer to home as we are from a distance right now. But you can't get any closer to home than, well, our very own Tim Van Horn. That's a pretty good introduction. Thank you. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, you've been uh, not only a player, you've been, uh, uh, you know, let's let's distinguish that amateur Uh, low to mid level amateur. Well, let's start there. Let's start. Let's start with your playing days. Where I was such a I was such a good soccer player. I ended up getting a baseball scholarship. That's how (laughs) good of a soccer player I was. Well, hey, listen, many athletes in today's world are playing baseball. You see it with the basketball stars and the football stars. Patrick Mahomes winning his, you know, Super Bowl title. He was a baseball star. So um, that being said, why soccer? Why you start that? You know, where did that start? How did that start? Oh, dude, I was seven years old and my brother was playing high school ball Mm -hmm. and it was at a small private school here in Memphis, Glenmore Academy. And they started an elementary program and I liked kicking the ball around. And next thing I knew I was signed up to go (laughs) (laughs) and ended up spending a lot of my Saturdays out at Wilson field. Yeah. Out uh, in East Memphis and out at, out at Willow field Mm -hmm. and just, Learned with my brother out in the yard and, and with my mom and my dad would kick the ball around too. And sure. Just, you know, that was back in a day when, when there wasn't all, all of this. There were very few clubs that right. were around. You just got out in the yard and you got out in the street and you just kicked with neighbors. It didn't matter how good they were. It's just, let's get the gang together and kick around. And, you know, it didn't matter if you weren't that good or not. I mean, you just had the freedom to make mistakes and have a good time. And it was something to do to get out of the house. You know, that that's an interesting take because now you kind of have to have a coach or or colleagues that are, you know, uh, uh, coaching licensed and everything like that. And while it's made the game better, do you think it's taken away anything from the game? I don't think that it that in itself has. I think the coaches that don't express creativity and let them fail and let them compete and it be okay if they take a risk and it fails. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think there's enough teaching of letting kids learn how to fail and then try and try again because the best players in the world didn't get didn't get that step over move the first time they didn't get that right. they didn't get that scissor kick the first time they they were able to make mistakes and then they stayed in the game they didn't get yanked immediately it wasn't about perfect execution it was about perfect practice leading to a more perfect execution so i, I wouldn't say no i don't i don't, I don't think it's the club system mm. and i don't think it's coaches in general i think it's the coaches that don't allow for freedom and, and we've had some great coaches on the show brody that yeah. talk about even doing training in pools where you don't label a player as an A player or a first team yeah. or a second you know, player during the week. I love you. Yeah. You earn your status through a meritocracy. Yeah. I, I, and I loved that style of, of coaching. I thought that was a really good, um, you know, when, when we heard that, I, I forget who, who, uh, even brought that up. I can't think back now. Scott Melton, uh, uh, Scott Melton. Hacker. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and then, and then, 
and then also Carbignani, and mm -hmm. then uh, also you know recently Sean Andre. I think I think a lot of them are cut from the same cloth. I mean, they they run their clubs slightly different with with slightly maybe different philosophies. Just because sure. you ask ten people how how to build a table, and they're going to give you ten different tables, but that's okay. <laughs> but I think they all have that kind of heart. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So going back to your playing days, though, um, and, and you're still playing. So, you know, take that however you will. Um, you, high school, you're playing through, you're playing through. And then you brought up this baseball scholarship. So I guess you were playing all sports, see all of the above and kind of choosing which one to go into. Or, or how did that happen? Oh, gosh, I was playing. I, I, I was playing soccer until I was around ninth grade or so, and I just found that I was a step slower from the rest of the guys. And at that point, goalkeeping was come to me, but it was not something that I was all that passionate about. Mm -hmm. So for me, I found a lot of love in playing playing baseball. L loved hitting the ball, loved the challenge of catching mm -hmm. and playing first base and, and being able to – scoop the balls out of the dirt. And so really the team camaraderie too. I mean, the, the baseball practices were a lot longer than soccer practices and you get out there and you take batting practice yeah. and a lot of that stuff is lighthearted. Uh, you know, it, it's serious when it's serious, but you're out there, you're jacking around in the outfield, kind of goofing off. And, um, and I also, you know, was able to take some time to develop, to become a better pitcher. In fact, that's what I got my scholarship for was, was as a, as a left-handed pitcher, uh, going into junior college. So I liked that every second game, maybe third game, if I was a bot starter, having that constant one on me, do I choose to try to take that risk and strike them out or do I make the best pitch I possibly can and trust the people behind us? So there was there were a lot of decisions that went into each game, and there was a lot of pressure that went into each game. Even if it wasn't one of the best teams in the district, mm -hmm. uh, there was still a lot of discipline and a lot of thinking that went into that. And, and I, I really I really enjoyed that. You know, uh, that being said, are 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 you a southpaw when it comes to kicking as well? Yeah, very much so. <laughs> you know, I can I can clear the ball out with my right foot if I get in a pinch. Yeah, but really, if you if you want the ball if you want the ball on your foot, you, you then better gonna, I have left. to pass it with my left. If you want it in the vicinity where you can trap it, or if you want it out of danger, then I can basically use it as a pitch. My right leg as a pitching one. <laughs> I just have to ask because I, I actually uh, you know grew up with a player who was left-handed. However, he was right-footed. And so he, he just couldn't get it to go in with the left foot. But anyway, it's weird. I think some of it might have been genetics mm -hmm. and that it's always been difficult for me to kick as fluently with my right as my left. And it's not for lack of training. I trained both equally. Mm -hmm. But as I've gotten older, I found that I've had some hip issues on the right side of my body compared to the left. So I, I, I think really genetics kind of limited to which side I was going to choose. And that's okay. I embraced that. And, 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 and that was fine and everything, but it's funny because I actually stopped playing soccer for about 20 years. Well, yeah, I played, I played college. I played. So I did baseball just take up that much time or, or why the, the such a prolonged break? Because I mean, you know, you took so much time off and then when you came back, you came back with the, with the, you know, feverant force here. I, the, the men's league that I played in was 
most of the spring, summer, and fall, but we would even travel. Our team was very good, and mm-hmm. we would travel to different states and play and really pitching every other game at that point. I mean, you'd play twice a week, so you'd be on the mound for once a week and try to go the entire game and then the other game, you know, play out in the field or whatever and just didn't have time to be multi-sport. I mean, I had a job at that point and, uh, you know, having a social life, it's, it would have just taken up way too much time. And then there just came a point where the shoulder essentially gave out for baseball and I needed something to refill my time. So I turned back to my first love, right? which was soccer. And at that point I thought, okay, I'm going to play goalkeeper. And there's a weird logic to this, but I think this stands for a lot of American players that go on to goalkeeper <laughs> is my logic was that I've been spending the last 20 some odd years playing first base and catcher and pitcher. And if people are whacking balls at me and I'm expected to hold that ball, which is hit back at me at 80, 90, a hundred miles an hour, how much simpler is it for me to catch a much, much bigger ball right. or I don't even have to catch it. I just have to knock it away from the rectangle. Right. And I look like a hero. Right. Right. And you know, you had that height advantage too. I mean, putting somebody like me, uh, who's like two foot, tall and hairy uh i don't think that's a good look <laughs> if you see me in goal you're going oh move it in come on guys <laughs> oh let me tell you i had to work extra hard on 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 saving the low shots though that's a tough one yeah. for a tall goalkeeper if you sh- i i have in rec league adult amateur league i've preached time and again and even in indoor soccer i've preached if the goalkeeper is over six feet tall Quit shooting it at chest and eye level. Why don't you just pick up the ball and hand it to him? Yeah. Make him work. Shoot low because that's the toughest place for a, a, a goalkeeper that's tall. Getting them to and go Edwin down. Edwin Vanderzar, Tim Howard, those guys, you know, they can get to the low balls. Yeah. But I would guarantee you if you ask them, it's much easier to get that high ball because you're springing toward the ball. Sure. Where really all you, all you can do on a low ball is is to drop down, drop your hands down and make yourself as big as you can. And I think that takes maybe just a little bit longer than it does, you know, going upwards and exploding out with your legs. Yeah. Go, going back though, to you becoming the the goaltender again, it, you haven't just played in rec leagues. You've played overseas. You've played in other States. Yeah. And, and I'll be very clear on the front. These were charity matches. This was not this was not, oh gosh, Tim, we've got to have you please come over to London, England and play. But these were these were charity matches where if you could get over there, then you could play uh, in these big stadiums. I've had other friends that have gone over and, and played up in uh, Manchester and some other cities, but I've had the opportunity to play three games in what is now West Ham's old stadium. Yeah. Uh, the uh, they called it the Bowl In Ground, but it was it was more famously known as Upton Park, mm-hmm. and got to play in that old stadium. In fact, I got to go over there one time during the summer, and the and the season was over with, and the executive boxes were conver- converted into hotel suites. Mm-hmm. So I actually stayed in the stadium, and you pull back the curtain in your bedroom, and it overlooks the pitch. Oh wow, that's so cool! It was incredible, and of course, having that, and they converted the executive rooms into the bathrooms into a full bathroom with a shower oh, wow. so I could get cleaned up yeah. and just take the elevator downstairs to the locker room. It was pretty incredible, but we used the real locker rooms. Yeah. Uh, some of the games I played in the visitor locker room and some I was in the home locker room. So I got to see them both. And let me tell you, 
there is a huge difference in the accommodations for the home team compared to the away team. No hot water in the away team. Sorry, it's just out. You know, it, you can turn yeah. it all day, but. <laughs> but you know, hey, I can, I, hey, I, I can say I've gone and used the same restroom and shower as Ronaldo. Yeah, you, yeah, you've got that there notch, you, you know. I mean, wow. and and uh, to that point, you've also played uh, stateside. <laughs> that's, that's a weird thing to be excited about, right? <laughs> hey, listen, everybody has one, you know. Everybody's got that little notch in their belt that you know, it's your own notch. Yeah, I got to do that in Chicago too. By the way, I was about uh, to bring that up. Yeah, so. Yes. Um, you, you played in Chicago too. Um, uh, another charity event or, or, or yeah. Yeah. yeah same organization. Awesome. Football aid, footballaid.com. I love those guys. They're, they're out of Scotland and they help raise money for juvenile diabetes. They came over here for the Chicago fire to raise money for their foundation. And we, we played in seat geek stadium and which was at the time, the home of the fire. They've since moved to soldier field, but they still use it as the practice facility. Right. But we, we played out there and, and football aid from time to time, you'll actually have an ex player that played. Well, in this one, they, they did Frank Klopas who played for the Chicago fire scored the game winner when they won the double back in 98 played in this match. And he was at one time, the coach of the team, he was the GM of the team and he's come back now. He's an assistant coach and a bro- and, and was a, was a broadcaster with the team. He's kind of Mr. Chicago soccer mm-hmm. and got to meet and play with him. And he, he played several matches and I think he scored like 10 or 12 goals for the U S. So, uh, got the honor to hang out with him and, and, and in the dressing room and chat with him and, he was just one of the guys. It was an experience to to play with a bunch of other amateurs and to have this guy come out there and and just chat and give us kind of the pregame strategy talk. And he did the same for the other team in the second half. And just it was just a really unique experience. And and I will tell you that the stadiums at the at Upton Park is are immaculate. It's like a putting green. If you were to roll a ball from one goal line oh, to yeah. the other, I don't think there'd be a single bobble. I mean, they're so well kept, and it's it's amazing to see uh, those services and to actually be on the surface. Yeah, I, I was about to say that the the level of upkeep on all of those stadiums is probably you know much more grandiose than they are here stateside. But um, you know, that being said, though, that had that experience had to have helped you then in your transition to broadcasting you know i mean obviously you're no stranger to tv um as here locally um you became a meteorologist and and you were on tv doing you know the the local weather and and this that and the other but then um you got into sports broadcasting yeah i mean that's that's pretty much right on the money i'd I'd had some time in radio on the music side of things and had even worked in some pr for the local hockey team but uh, I spent 15 years in meteorology, but I got my degree from Mississippi State University. I had a degree in communications, and I went back to get a Bachelor of Science to really focus on the science side of things and take all the weather classes. And the only time I had ever set foot on the campus was on graduation day, <laughs> and I had to ask for directions on how to get to the gym, which is the Humphrey Center. The pump. Yeah, the hump. I said, hey, where's the gym? I got to graduate today. (laughs) So, you know, it's funny to regale, you know, stories of days gone by, hanging out in the student union, waiting for class. And I didn't have any of that experience at all. Everything was done online. Online, yeah. Well, hey, listen, I won't hold it against you now being an Ole Miss boy. So, you know, you're good there. Anyway, um, but yeah, those experiences, though, overseas uh, in Chicago and and all that other stuff, uh, that had to have helped you then, you know, 
come the USL time and time to pick up the microphone and 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 call a match or be color commentator, all those experience had to have, you know, kind of helped you boil that down and, and to understand like what's happening now, what's you know, what's in the mindset with all these players. You know, if I were to put a percentage on that, I would say about ten percent would come from that. I think you bring up a very good point because being at that level on the field and then being in a stadium, which those things are cathedrals. It's like being in just a massive bowl, having that perspective and just being able to hear the sounds, how the ball comes off like a cannon yeah. in those places. It it does change your perspective and, and you, you kind of can see what other players are seeing because you're at ground level and, and you start to see, okay, you know, it, your depth perception has to be a little bit different depending on these stadiums. It's, it, it's really? really interesting, but most hmm. of my broadcast experience does, does not come from TV weather. I think you hit it right on the head. Um, all those some impromptu skills probably don't being asked to talk for an extra 30 seconds or to cut it short. Really, most of it comes from being a fan, mm-hmm. but also being a player for so many games and making so many mistakes and just recalling on what I was thinking in certain situations and and uh, just listening to my friends and my teammates that were playing, you know, what were they thinking and why did they do what they just trying to zero in not just on we see but also just trying to give fans a grasp of what were they probably thinking when they were doing that because oftentimes there may be a bad pass or there might be a play out of bounds when maybe somebody was open on the other side but you got to put yourself in that player's shoes sometimes from that vantage point the obvious is not obvious when you're at ground level. Yeah. So having those experiences and stuff like that obviously helped you boil it down and, and, and see the field a little bit better. Is, do you notice a difference when it comes to level of play for some players that you're like, they definitely have that vision or, you know, can you see that from the box? You can, but you know where you can see it even better is by doing your job as a sportscaster and going to the practices. Uh, and you're able to go and spend the time when they're grinding it out yeah. and watching them in repetitive uh sessions where they're having to when they're tired practice is winding down do they have that ability to still make that play do they have that vision are they still trying to be creative you see a lot of character and you see a lot of ability in those practices that nobody else sees and that's that's why i've been so appreciative of memphis 901 fc when i've been preparing to do matches is to be able to go watch and see what they're doing, mm-hmm. not so much to just sit out there and have an exclusive look, but actually to see, okay, here's this guy's skill set. I need to look out for what this guy can particularly do in a situation, or he may try this certain thing that maybe nobody expects, or, Hey, this is a weakness I need to look out for. There's so many things you can learn in practice, uh, as opposed to the flow of the game, to be honest with you in the flow of the game, you have to, if you're not already prepared, you're screwed because yeah. oftentimes you have to call the game off of the TV screen because you're having to call what the viewer sees at home. So there's a lot of stuff off the ball that I don't get a good look at simply because it's my duty to tell you what, what I'm seeing and what you're seeing. You know, we, we talked to Mike Watts about this, about, you know, preparing for the matches and, and preparing for different games and this, that, and the other. And, and that being said, is it then does does it take you off a little bit whenever you're not there 
and a peek behind the curtain, you've called a couple matches from a TV screen. Does it does it kind of you know make you sidestep a little bit and go, okay, I, I got to get my bearings and call this off of a TV screen because now we've seen Premier League and stuff like that. Some of the greats calling off of TV screens. How hard is that in comparison, or maybe easier? I don't know. I would ask Mike, and maybe we have Mike come back for that. But as for me, having to call road games where you don't get maybe as much of an opportunity or a midweek game where there's not a session where you get to watch the club practice in person, Mm -hmm. then your show preparation, you exchange out the practices and you insert – and you have to do this for the opposing team anyway, is you look at previous match footage from the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. and your show preparation comes from watching two or three hours of video rather than an hour or two of practice. So the time, it, it takes more time. It's not better or worse in any particular way. Cause I mean, you can fast forward through video and you can fast forward through halftime. That's not that big of a deal. Sure. But you take, you take that, road match and you look back on maybe a couple of matches and you see what trends are maybe substitution patterns who's playing a little bit better and that's another thing to look for is you look for trends Mm -hmm. that's another reason that you go back and look at some of that footage rather than for the week you see who's starting to maybe come out of their shell we saw this last year prime example elliot collier last year sure got off to a very rocky start in fact the fans started to turn on him and you know and you and i talked about this before we even started the podcast that you know let's give him some time we're starting to see a couple of things that he can do and he's a guy that doesn't want the ball on his head or on his chest he wants the ball at his feet right once he started getting the ball at his feet what did he start doing scoring some goals right he was magnificent Right, and it, and there was never a question about his character or his work ethic mm-hmm. because you can go back and look at the heat maps of where a player has run and how frequently they spent time there, and there's no doubt that he put in his mileage during the match. It's because it's that he became more efficient once he had the ball at his feet, and he also gained the wisdom of when to keep the ball and take someone on the dribble, and also when to pass, which is something that I'm hoping that we'll see. Although he's not with us anymore, Lagos Kunga who played last year and I believe he's with Phoenix. Now I think as he develops that, I think we're going to see him grow this year. If we can ever get those guys back on the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. But, but going back to, you know, you know, then calling the match, the actual match, um, you know, where you're either playing, uh, color even though this year you started doing play-by-play uh which i want to talk about that difference in just a second but you know calling off of a a tv screen versus actual live in their match how is that different you don't get the advantage of being able to call the match along the wave of the crowd Mm. you don't hear that rise of the crowd when there's a home goal score or the hush of when a visiting goal is scored you you lose some of that but that's just a small percentage of it i i hearken back to and i've shown the charts before and i think mike watts and some of the other announcers have shown their charts as well is if you come in and you're very well prepared mm-hmm. and you are comfortable with what you've prepared with there's no reason that you can't have a great broadcast simply calling it off of a television sure there are dogs of a game there's a guy named tom rennie who calls on talk sport he calls a lot of premier league matches there's a guy named tom rennie that 
oftentimes may get stuck with a middle of the table, bottom third match. It's a, it's normally what you would consider a dog of a match. There may not be relegation implications or promotion or European. It's just middle of the table. The guy comes so well prepared. He's so funny. He's ready to throw in information at a moment's notice Mm -hmm. that he, he conveys and he may be great at fooling me, but he conveys that there's no other place that he would rather be. And I think that if you can do that and you come prepared, there's nothing that you can't overcome calling a match strictly from a television set. You know, and to that point, no place that you'd rather be. It seems like in that booth, uh, that's kind of what you feel whenever you're in the booth there, uh, to, to kind of give you a little pat on the back whenever you're doing color commentating. But then this year you kind of got thrown off, uh, by here in the first match, you became a play by play announcer and that, you, you know, you kept saying, Oh, this is going to be so weird, you know, and, and, you know, to, to kind of let everybody know about our, our, our personal, you know, back and forth a little bit was like, dude, I don't know how this is going to go. And I'm like, it's got to be fine because from my perspective, you did great as a color commentator. What's the difference? It's exhausting. That's <laughs> what the difference is. I want to take my hat off to all of the <laughs> brethren and sisters out there that, that call the matches on a play-by-play basis. And, and, and I'll tell you about the distinction, but I, I do want to say this just off the top before I forget that, yeah, I've had an opportunity to, to play you know, in, in that great now defunct stadium west ham and i've got to you know play over in chicago but there's nothing that absolutely tops getting to call a television match for your home team there's Mm. nothing that beats that from somebody that will never play a significant level of soccer in his life i never have never will Mm -hmm. and it, it 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 has been such a huge honor um now the difference between color analysis and play-by-play, I would say there's really not that much difference in the preparation. You have to be ready with facts. You have to be ready with the general information. Where is he from? Where did he play? How many goals? Sure. You know, an assist did he or she score? And that's that's all fine and, and dandy. The play-by-play announcer sets the tempo. The color analyst, which I got to do several times last year, I got to work with Rob Fisher, Tyler Springs, Dave Voloshin, and they were all fantastic to work with. Still hoping to work with Pete Pranick on on a match. I, that's one of them, still one of my bucket list things. But right. to be color analyst, you essentially fill the gaps when the play by play announcer has action in the middle of the pitch. You, you're basically chiming in to add something, and you essentially stay out of the way when there's a goal coming. You don't step on the goal call. That's to me. Yeah. That's a cardinal sin. The play by play announcer has done so much work. They deserve to have the deck cleared to make whatever signature call or whatever their goal call is and, and let them have that moment in the match because they're the one, they're the one that actually marks the time. Yeah, you know, it was I was last year years old when I found that <laughs> that out uh, that there's actually a science to to calling a match, uh, whether it's color commentating or play by play, that you guys actually have like, okay, in this window, 
that's me. And then when it gets to the 25 or, you know, thereabouts, you shut up and it's my turn because I got to set up a goal or I got to, you know, do this, that and the other. It, it really interesting. Like, and you don't hear it whenever you're just watching a match. But now I can't unhear that. You know, I can't sit there and watch a match and go, oh, it's color commentator time. And now we're back to play by play, you know. And so that that kind of peek behind the curtain but watch like any premier league or anything like that it's all the same it's pretty cool it's it's very much the same and i will tell you that play-by-play is much more exhausting because you're calling nuts and bolts Mm -hmm. you have to be very confident in the numbers on the backs of the jerseys and thankfully it looks like the usl this year (laughs) has a more visible more uh, you know an easily more you know more recognizable font because that can be tough when you have players on diagonal runs you got to follow those runs and kind of spy on it off of you know off the tv monitor if you're at, at home to be able to follow some of the plays and then you essentially think in the back of your mind don't blow the goal call. Don't <laughs> blow the goal call. And somebody asked me a few weeks ago, do I have a signature goal call? And I don't. I, it just it just naturally happens. If you set it up, you lose the timing, you lose the pace of it. Yeah. And, you, you know, if maybe you have a clever saying, you know, like the Brandalorian or something it, like that. Right. But you just were it. That's not the bedrock of the call. That's just kind of the gravy on top of the mashed potatoes after the fact and and you just let the game oh and that's another thing too unlike radio where you have to constantly paint the picture yeah play-by-play guy also has to know when to shut the hell up yeah so you know that's that's interesting too i I, in a couple points here do you rehearse some lines uh either both color and or play by play. Do you have like, okay, in this match, in your preparations, in this match, I'm going to say this somewhere, you know, and this is going to be like the, you know, the, the trigger word, you know, and everybody goes crazy. Um, or is it like, it would be nice if, and that's somewhere in the back of your mind, do you put phrases and words and, and stuff like that in the back of your mind for that rainy time period? Or is it all just off the cuff? Most of it's off the cuff. If there's something clever, if there's something timely, you know, I haven't been able to figure out how to work in Tiger King yet. We haven't had that. So (laughs) nothing about Carol Baskin on a goal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't, (laughs) I don't know if Carol Baskin killed her husband, (laughs) but I do know that he just scored that goal. He he really fed that to the tiger. Right. Carol Baskin or or something like that. Right. Yeah. I don't know. No, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing like that. Um, But if there's something relevant, maybe have something just ready and handy if it comes naturally. If you have to force it, you've completely wasted it because one, it probably didn't fit very well. And two, it's not going to be funny or memorable or add to the action. When you start trying to make yourself the star, that's when you start to really Mm. kind of screw the screw the broadcast up, but uh, a lot of it too, you have to have a great color analyst right. to, to go along for the ride. I think, I think that ride that, that causes all the boats to rise. The, the, the color analyst can be the rising tide. And I was really, really lucky to have JJ Greer with me yeah. on that, on that opening night. He's had, he's got experience. He's played, you know, with Didier Drogba. He's played with, uh, Sean Wright Phillips yeah. and, and he's played with some, some really great players and he has his own experience and it was just nice to be able to turn it over to him and let people 
hear his story and relate his experience, which he played in the USL. Yeah. It, it really helped add to the game because we could give people a very unique ground level perspective. Thanks to JJ. You know, I'm going to link it back to the interview that we did with JJ and to tell people to go back to my three subs podcast.com and, and, and take a look at that interview because it was, it was really telling like his journey, his soccer journey was, was phenomenal. Um, And, and having you two have that rapport, what kind of, importance does that play you know because you two obviously had a report but you also mentioned that you had you know had calls with uh fish i i rob fisher i I know him as fish because that's his nickname around here um and and a couple of the other you know commentators but what kind of rapport levels do you have with them versus say jj whom you you might have a little better with i you know how is that important you know what's that importance level Whenever you get an opportunity, it's always important, and and I think it's really important in these times. Uh, but I think it's always important to to know somebody else's story. You know, mm-hmm. who are they? You know, what's going on in their life? You know, what's important to them? Why why are they here? And mm-hmm. I know, you know, Tyler Springs is an aspiring, and he's a very successful broadcaster. He's a great play-by-play guy, but I also know he loves baseball. I I know that he loves soccer. He's very multi-talented and he wants to grow as a broadcaster. So for me, when I go into a game as a color analyst, it makes me want to do even more to help highlight the work that he's doing, not only to bring light and have an enjoyable game for our audience, but also, uh, I, I feel personally invested with whomever I'm working in, 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 that I want them to be successful. I know that Rob Fisher has been a, a longtime broadcaster and he's a family man, a strong mm-hmm. family man. And, and when you see somebody as that and not just somebody that's about to throw you a question on some stats, you're really just sitting there with a friend calling a game. It's like you and mm-hmm. I doing a podcast. Uh, I right. know, you know, I know your story and I know who you are. And for me, it makes it more fun because I can relate to you because I know who you are. I know what pushes your buttons and makes you laugh, but I also know what makes you talk. Right. Well, that's true too. (laughs) And I think that worked with Peter Edmiston. When we did our virtual match, you can tell what a pro he is because he was able to, uh, on the fly, when we were essentially making a lot of the match up as we went along, mm-hmm. uh, just knowing Peter and knowing his background and his love of the game, and despite being a Newcastle fan, he knows a lot about <laughs> soccer, that we were able to really just have a terrific broadcast. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, Peter and I go back a long way. With The last time I was in England, uh, when he had just had a son, I brought back a, an infant Newcastle jersey for him. Oh, that's super sweet. Yeah. Tim does that all the time, by the way, you know, to, to peek behind the curtain. Tim does that all the time. He sent me baby diapers. <laughs> and well, for your, for your child. <laughs> well, maybe in 10 years, maybe you'll need the diapers, but not yet. <laughs> I hope I'm a little bigger than that <laughs> size one. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and I didn't mention too, uh, Dave Relotion. That was you know, yeah. I've been Dave, Dave for over 35 years. And I got to do a broadcast with him being his color analyst and i walked in i said and i just told him and i i think i think i embarrassed him and i didn't mean to i, I said <laughs> dave you know we've known each other for a long time but we've never actually worked together yeah and this is bucket list stuff for me i'm not geeking out but i just want you to know um 
I'm coming in with two goals tonight, and that is to help fill the time in the middle of the pitch right. so that you can do your job. And then anytime that ball gets near the penalty box, I'm just shutting the hell up because that's your goal call. <laughs> and, you know, I think on a certain level that, you know, putting that out there, you form like this level of, okay, it's the level of respect Look for you. You know my job. I know your job and where we all stand. So uh, if you've never listened to Tim do a color commentating call. I think you with Wolo, uh, Dave Lotion, uh, you with Fish, you with anybody is is really a treat. But then going back and then putting those play by play pants on, I, I think I think you're on to something. You know, uh, especially you and JJ's report. It was really, really good and really fun. And then go back and listen to you with Pete. Even uh, uh, it, it really was fun. Well, thank you. You know, it's it's interesting because that almost didn't happen, but because it was spring basketball and we were near tournament time, the other four or five broadcasters <laughs> that were lined up to do play-by-play play were unavailable. So next to pass, I was their next choice as play-by-play play guy, pretty much like my married life. That's pretty much how my wife picked me, next to pass. It's right. like, well, gotta marry, hell, I got to marry somebody. Yeah, I guess you're due. Uh, <laughs> But the team was really good. They let JJ and and I, uh, they let us work together on kind of a a practice run the week before just to make sure that, you know, it was going to work out fine. And it turned out, it turned out great. So I I was very pleased and, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled that, you know, when the matches are scheduled at the beginning of the year, they were scheduling me, I think for about 14 or 15 more matches. And, you know, I hope they'll have me back, but it, it was just a really huge honor. And, and I hope they get back to, to the games really soon. I hope so too. Of course, uh, we will keep you updated whenever that does happen for the USL and, and any other league that might come about and uh, that we're a part of. But Tim, I, I, I don't want to like end it because we have a lot more to talk about, especially with what's happening in the world right now. And, and we'll get to that in extra time. Or next on My Three Subs, a soccer odyssey. This podcast is now powered by Podcave, the complete toolkit for podcasters. But we want all of our time going into making the podcast is entertaining and as interesting as possible for you. So that's why we ditched our old services and actually made the switch to Podcave. Yeah, combining all the tools that we need to make the best shows we can to make them available on all the platforms you use and to always stay connected with you. Now, Podcave provides unlimited audio storage for all of our episodes, new and old. They're always available whenever you want them. Our website, by the way, it's included built in to Podcave. So you can, you know, find us on one place. It's really that easy. And by the way, I know that there's a hang up music and soundscapes that we use on the show. Mm. Well, they're professionally made and fully licensed by Podcave. So you don't have to worry about finding them, nor do you have to worry about getting sued for using music without their permission. That's such a big deal. We get an email, by the way, and text engagement tools to stay in touch with you. Guest booking tools, episode planning tools, Podcave even includes customizable news feeds so that we can stay on top of the latest headlines, which is a huge time saver. We used to have to piecemeal all this stuff. It cost hundreds of dollars every month, and we had to have all these different accounts with different passwords and different windows. It was a mess. To say the least, it was a mess. Podcave put all that together one spot, and it only costs 49 bucks a month. 
hosting and distribution, a, a killer website, episode planning, everything we need. 49 bucks a month, Tim. Save time and money with Podcave. Try it free for one month. Go to podcave.com slash my three subs and get a month on us. That's podcave.com slash my three subs. This is my three subs, a soccer odyssey. And we have added time to the podcast. Well, you made that easy on me. That was that was pretty easy. You know, I I didn't want to take it hard because honestly, Tim, there's a lot more complex things and harder things to talk about this week. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because, uh, you know, of course, back on Memorial Day, a uh, a Minneapolis police officer, we we saw the imagery of of the officer who had his neck on the back of of George Floyd's neck. George Floyd died Mm -hmm. and and an inexcusable, uh, indefensible death. Yeah, I mean, you know, murder is murder, and what we saw there was what it was. And now it has sparked outrage, in, and rightfully so, outrage in the nation, and uh, the whole debate of, you know, racial tensions flaring up. And so, that being said, I think it's, you know, uh, it's time for everybody to start speaking up and speaking out, you know, like, where do you stand? And I think we here at My Three Subs to have a very easy stand- platform to stand on and that is that ain't gonna fly here you know the the racism and stuff like that we've called it out many of time uh when it comes to the italian league when they had uh to stop a match for racial uh it, you know uh, things going on during the match that you know that's not cool you know and and we won't stand for that no, not at all. And I know that involved uh, Mario Balotelli mm-hmm. uh, when he was with Brescia. And, but it's also occurred across quite a bit of Europe. I, I'm going to keep it pretty simple here. Um, it's it's really hard to, to go into anything verbose because you can always run that risk of, of leaving something out that you probably should have said. Right. right. I'm a big believer in the First Amendment. If, if it weren't for that, we wouldn't have this podcast. There would not be the ability for people to protest for whatever. It's not from it's not for me to say or anybody to say whether someone protesting something is right or wrong. If somebody is protesting something where they feel aggrieved, it's absolutely their not just their American right, it's their God given right yeah. to do that. And I, I I could not agree more on that. And if we're talking about equality, mm-hmm. I will say this unequivocally that. Uh, when it comes to humanity, mm-hmm. African Americans, black, however you want to phrase the term, have always been equal. Yes. Will always be equal. Mm-hmm. And anyone that looks at someone and treats someone as lesser is making a grave mistake and they're missing out on the beauty of humanity. Yeah. They're missing out on an opportunity to get to know someone. Mm-hmm. They're getting they're missing out on an opportunity to love someone. Right. And I can't fix the world. I I don't know what the solution is. There's a lot of solutions out there. There are people smarter than me with solutions. As for me, I will love my neighbor. Right. I will continue to love my neighbor. I, I have always loved my neighbor. Am I perfect? No. Right. But I will always love my neighbor. And if I wrong someone, then I will seek that forgiveness. And for those that feel hurt, for those that feel like they don't get the benefit of the doubt, uh, my heart hurts because that mm. is something that 
Again, we all have the God-given right to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. And for people to get shortchanged is unequivocally, is that the right word? Unequivocally wrong. Right. And uh, nailed it right there, Tim. I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, I, you know, human is human and you have to love the human element. And uh, as long as you treat each other like humans, um, as you would like to be treated, then I think you can't go wrong. And um, just leave it at that. Uh, we mentioned a lot to go back to listen to our interviews with J.J. Greer um, uh, in the interview there. And easy to do. Easy to go back and listen to some of those things and go back and listen to the match, uh, the um, simulated match that we did. You can find all that at my3subspodcast.com. You can shoot us a message at my3subspodcast at gmail.com. And... Um, of course, on social medias. We are everywhere. We're at My3Subs on Facebook and in, no Facebook and Twitter. Instagram, we are at My3Subs Soccer Pod. I love watching you just kind of fight your way through this. This is pretty awesome. <laughs> I should write them all down. It'd be a lot easier if every week I just pull out the list and say, this is where everything's at. But I do it from the brain. And yeah. Listen, you got it better than me. At least it's not your last birthday before AARP starts sending you junk mail. <laughs> Happy birthday, Tim Van Horn. Send Tim Van Horn a message. Do it oh, right now. You. Send him a Gmail message. Thanks, everybody. Uh, thanks so much, Brody. And uh, uh, we will uh, catch you next time on My Three Subs. God bless America and God bless you. There's the whistle. Thank you for listening. Check out more My 3 Subs podcast, A Soccer Odyssey.